um, I've got a very special guest here uh, to today, tonight, my time, <laughs> uh, daytime up there in the UK. Um, I'm talking to a guy who's the chairman of um, Laureus Sports Academy, um, as well as um, uh, being on the board of uh, London Harlequins and Planethley Scarlets, and he's also a golfer. And he did play a bit of rugby once upon a time as well. And so it's welcome to Sean Fitzpatrick. Um, thank you very much for joining me on my podcast, Fitzy. Morning. Morning, Moff, from a, a beautiful day in London. Uh, a bit cold, but uh, a beautiful day. We've only been back a couple of weeks after having three months down in New Zealand, which we, we loved. Had a, had a wonderful summer down there and now back into... Northern Hemisphere rugby, um, which is, uh, has been enjoyable. So, Fitzy, you know, because um, we had a bit to do with each other when you stopped playing, I can remember that uh, uh, got you to be, um, you know, involved with uh, New Zealand rugby, um, with uh, players and what have you. Um, did you ever think about taking up coaching? Um, I think you and I probably spoke about that, um, but it was, you know, 95, 96, and then obviously I was injured in 97, as you know, and uh, with the advent of professionalism, um, it was a really interesting time to be involved in rugby, and, and especially with yourself administering the game um, and, and setting that pathway ahead. That was that you know, responsibility of us, I suppose. Yeah. And... Some really, really interesting times, but coaching wasn't really something I'd looked at, you know. And as as you'd appreciate being involved with New Zealand rugby, you know, being an All Black, it's it's all consuming. Um, it takes up all your time. You know, when people said to me, "Do you, do you miss playing for the All Blacks?" and I always said, "No, I don't, I don't actually, because you know, I, I now have a, a relatively normal life, where as an All Black, you give you give heart and soul." Um, to being the best All Black you can be, and it, it takes it out of you. So, 11 years of doing that for me was enough. And and I think if you've gone to coaching, and that's what I admire a lot about these these coaches that go straight from playing to to coaching is I think coaching you're involved more. You think about the game 24/7. Um, you don't ever shut off where where the players can step away. Um, but as a coach. It's your responsibility. I, I think I, I read an article from Nick Mallett, I think over the last couple of days, saying that he doesn't miss it at all um, because, you know, the responsibility you have as a coach and now in the professional area, you're, 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 you're preparing a team for somebody else, for an owner who, <laughs> who's demand, demanding you win. Um, but you know, I, I was fortunate, and, and through 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 you, I was able to stay in the game, and and you know, we we set up that players' association uh, yeah. right back in '98, where, where the players, you know, it was it was quite an unusual thing. It was a foresight by you in terms of allowing the players to have a union, technically. <laughs> uh, and you know, even you know, even now, they have, they have a very huge influence on on the direction of New Zealand rugby. Yeah, I think I want to get onto that in a, in a minute or two. When I finished playing at not a very good level, mind you, I, um, 
I decided that I, I mean, I, I've got the wrong personality to be a coach. Um, I just don't have the patience uh, to be a coach. Um, but, but I took up refereeing. Now, there are some people who would say that um, that would have been good for you to do, given that you refereed most of the games <laughs> you played in. <laughs> <laughs> so I always say, oh, well, why would I? Why not take up refereeing? I've got eleven years at the top of the game refereeing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, no, um, that's obviously an aside. But um, yeah, we 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 got some really interesting stuff done, and and you were very instrumental at the early days of the Adidas deal as well. And and uh, I don't know if you still have a relationship with Adidas, but but New Zealand rugby certainly does. Yeah, no, I don't. But yeah, New Zealand rugby does, which is it's been great. They've been such a good partner, Moff, right back from it was Robert Louis Dreyfus, wasn't it? Yes, uh, it was indeed. Yeah, down down at the institute at the rugby academy down in Palmerston. Yeah, we, we announced that deal. It was a it's been phenomenal, and it's a, it's such a good brand to be associated with. Um, and you know now now they you know New Zealand rugby is such a such a good brand. Um, and during the professional era, it's got better and better as a brand. I think and it's just you know I think a reflection in terms of you know the sponsors that we have in our our stable at the moment. Yeah, and uh, you may remember that we used to take the sponsors on a small walk down here <laughs> in New Zealand called yes. the Milford Track. Uh, we'd take the sponsors, and you right. came. About that. You came along, and uh, and the sponsors had a great time. Wonderful. With Peter Bush, yes, Bush, who came with us. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no. And I, and I think it's, I think that's really important going forward. Moth, and that's uh, once again something you know being being involved in the game game now. You know, sponsorship is so important, and and the players um, play such a key part in making making sure that that you know the sponsors are satisfied because especially in New Zealand without sponsorship, um, we're gonna we're gonna really struggle to compete. So just on, on the um, business side of rugby, and I know that you've taken a, a, a big interest in the recent deal that's been um, announced with Silver Lake. I mean, I was very yeah. critical of the original Silver Lake deal. I, di I didn't think it was the right way to go. However, when they got all the interested people around the table, which included the players who hadn't been there originally, they came out with a deal that I think, um, you know, not not that not that New Zealand rugby needs me to say yes. I think it's a good deal, but I, I you know, I, I do think it was a much better deal, and and everybody got behind that, you know, whether it's Silver Lake or New Zealand Rugby and the Players Association, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's most likely a blueprint for the way forward. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, as you said, I'm I'm a fan. I've I've looked at it. Um, I've been been involved, been looking at it for over you know we're 18 months now. I think we've been trying to get get the deal over the line, and um, I think unfortunately people didn't really see what the Silver Lake people were like. No, um, everyone just assumes they're from Silicon Valley. They're American tech guys. Um, they're going to throw a bit of money and then take the money take the money away. Um, um, and they're not like that at all. They're hugely passionate about rugby. Uh, they see they see the All Blacks. Obviously, they see them as a as a major brand in, in world rugby and, and one they want to be associated with. And they're stuck around. And there's not. I don't think there's too many of those sort of people that would have hung around this long 
um, to, to do the deal they've done. Uh, so they're, they're very involved. Um, their, their, their main, main thing is being able to connect with the fans. And that's, that's what we need to do more of, um, yep. to that, to, to the right sort of fans, um, across from, from you and me, right, right down to the, the five, six, seven year olds, um, and make the, the sport appealing to them yep. as much as it's appealing to us. And I think the numbers they said, we, we have near close on a billion fans globally. Right. Um, but we only have, we only have 800,000 registered all black fans. Yeah. So there's a huge scope um, to connect with with a lot of people going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, as I said, I, I think uh, where it's landed is, is very good for New Zealand rugby. Um, and I was told that uh, at one time there were about eight captains, ex-All Black captains on a call with Silver Lake and they... And they, they sort of started to understand how much rugby means to this country. You know, as you know, I'm an Australian, but I am so yeah, passionate. Yeah. I'm so passionate about the All Blacks, and we're very proud to have played a part in, in, in the you know the, the, the change to professional rugby. Um, but I yeah. think I think it, 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 you know, there's not. I mean, I, whenever I think about it, you know, I I, I always used to say that. An individual All Black is held in such high regard, but when you guys assembled as a group and moved around, you know, in Wellington or somewhere like that as a group of players, I mean, the, the reaction from the people is extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's the key. And that's, you know, through the whole process, um, that's, that's been very clear that um, the past All Blacks of, of, of the game, of our game, are very involved in, in rugby going forward. And I think that's a, a huge benefit for us um, because, you know, as a, as a past All Black, um, you know, the legacy of the jersey, uh, sustaining a culture of success, all those things um, are so important. And, and the players that hand their jersey back are, are the ones that can really make sure that the, the guys that have got the jersey at the moment um, adhere to those traditions um, to the respect of the jersey, and I think Silver Lake, as you said, I think they became very aware. And and let's and if you you live in North Canterbury, you're in the community. Um, our professional game is in pretty good shape, but our community game oh, and the amateur game is not in good shape, without question. And you know we we need to make sure that the community game, the base of the game, is really strong. And that's once again where we're money as long as it's directed the right way yeah um can help fix that part of the game which is you know and that's you know that's why i started playing rugby because we were yeah. at college rifles every saturday you know mum dad and the four kids and well, that, that's where all blacks are born fitzy you know like yeah. yourselves and all the other all blacks they came from yeah. somewhere didn't they and there's yeah. those and we drank the, yeah. That's the lovely thing. We dream of being all blacks, and, and that's 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 <laughs> what I want them to continue. I want them to play sport, but I, you know, I want them to dream about being the next Bowden Barrett, or, or you know, which is you know George Bridge, those sort of players. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so iconic. So you just touched on it a little bit before, um, and you've done really well post your rugby career. And there have been quite a few guys that, that have, have done that, actually. Um, 
But there, there are also, and I'm going to be speaking to David Corkery, um, you know, in the next little while, the ex-Irish international who's, um, I think, suffered a little bit from, you know, the letdown from being a, you know, a star to, to you know. And I call it, I call it when the phone stops ringing. And it happened to me. You know, when I left Welsh rugby, not, nobody wanted to talk to me anymore after that. You know, and I, and I, and I, I do hear your name mentioned a lot, lot up there, Mark. <laughs> do you know that David Moffat? A <laughs> uh, bloody bastard he is, you know. Anyway, um, oh, before before you say anything, Moffat is a good mate of mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Don't go to Ponty that They hate me with a passion there. Um, but 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 how do how do you see this transition from being a a you know world famous player or in the All Blacks, you know, making the transition out of rugby, and so many so many don't do that so well. I mean, and, you know, is, it, is do you have a view it's about not, that? There's not, you say, you say many don't. I, I sort of tend to disagree. I think most uh-huh. professional rugby players um, are prepared, you know, to life after rugby. Mm-hmm. And I, I suppose one of the, one of the things about being an All Black is that you not you don't see yourself as a superstar. You don't see yourself as iconic or because. That's how our game is built on humility, and you know, yeah. if, I, if I get too big for my boots, yeah, you know, my mother will stand on me, my wife will stand on me, my teammates will stand on me, pull your head in, yeah. um, which actually prepares you, you know, for life after. And I think one of the benefits about our professional sport is that even if you're the best player in the world, earning the best money, um, nine times out of ten, unless you've been pretty lucky with your investments, you're going to have to work. You know, 90% of, well, 99% of professional rugby players have to have a life after rugby in yeah. terms of working. Um, so in terms of your question, how they prepare for that, um, I think they're, they're pretty smart in making sure that they invest their money wisely. They surround themselves with the right people. And I think especially in the game up here and in New Zealand, um, you get pretty good advice. Um, you, we're lucky that we have people around us that can advise us where to go because there's not there's not too many of the guys you know the, the John Kerbins of the world for example that can make a life after you know there's two or three in each generation the, you know the, the Dan Carters of the world that can go on and make a, a living out of rugby um, yeah 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 post their career yeah I mean you know and there is there are a small number that actually can go into the media like yourself and Jeff Wilson mm. and, and those sort mm-hmm. of guys. And there are other guys up in the Northern hemisphere similarly who do that. Um, but yeah. it's a, you know, it is, it is a, it is a major transition and it's really good to hear you, you know, and, and you're there and you talk to a lot of your, your mates um, and people that you know in this system that they're actually not that badly off, which is, which is really good mm. to hear mm. actually. Um, so, so you're on the board of um, uh, Harlequins and also the Scarlets. No, I'm not on their board anymore, Moth. Oh, you're not. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't. I'm know. in an advisory role there. Oh, okay. And they have, and they have done so well. Um, yeah. In terms of of turning themselves around, really, you know, winning winning the premiership in 2012, and then you know we, you know, we had 
didn't we had one international player in those uh, in that day, um, and then to turn it around and, and win the way they did last year was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and we've got a we've got a guy called Owen Eastwood. I don't know if you know him, a Kiwi. No. Uh, I think he's from down your way, actually, in Canterbury. Um, and he he works with a lot of high performing teams up here in America. He works for for the English football. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, and he he talks about he the culture and you know having safe, safe environments, playing for your tribe, um, and he's done a phenomenal job. And you can just see the enthusiasm. And and coming from an administrator, um, what the premiership is now delivering is a is a fantastic product. Yeah, um, well, and, it might be worth developing. It might be worthwhile me talking to him. Actually, I'll get his contact details off you. Um, to, yeah. You know, uh, what I always say, and you, you obviously you had a huge interest in uh, Welsh rugby. Uh, yeah. And you asked me before, how's Welsh rugby going? I, I said, well, the international team's doing okay, but the regional team's not performing well at all. No. And, and without, a, without a good professional club game, you're not going to develop an international game. You just the, the two examples at the moment where you have Ireland and France, two best teams in the world at the moment. Yep. They have they have amazing club rugby. Yeah. You know, the Lancers, the Ulsters, those sort of teams win week in, week out, put pressure on the players. And the top fourteen at the moment is a good competition. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you develop you develop a good club game that flows on to the, yeah. to the professional game of that. Well, when I got game, when I got to Wales, uh, they had something close to twelve professional teams, and we got it down to four, and mm. and um, that was the regional concept, you know. And basically, I just pretty much copied what was happening here in New Zealand. But um, but they never the, the the fans there never have never taken to the regional teams. They just you know they're so they think yeah. they've got a mortgage on parochialism, you know, and it's all about the valleys and and the national team. Do you, do you, I mean, and having, and having an involvement in Scarlet's, do you think there is a different model that they could actually now look at? Because when you, it's when you start something, that's the right. When we, Super 12, right? When we started Super 12, it was terrific. Mm-hmm. Then they went to 15 and 18 and it was all over the place. Yeah. So yeah. You know, what, you, what you start off with might not be what you end up with. So do, mm-hmm. you, do you see a, a different model that might work for Wales? Um, I think I think probably four teams moth is too many, one too many, possibly. Yeah. Uh, but we need what we need, and that, that's why, in terms of the global calendar, we need a club window. Yeah. And a, United Rugby Championship, the URC. Yeah. Um, yeah. Admittedly, COVID has really hurt. Unfortunately, just COVID has wiped about in terms of you know the Scarlets. I think only played six games, where, yeah. where other teams have seven games. Mm. Um, but ultimately, unless we can have our stars, our international players playing club rugby, yep, um, we're not we're not going to create a good product, no. and and people aren't going to go to Park the Scarlets to watch the Scarlets play on a, on a Friday night yeah. of a, of an international day because we haven't got Liam Williams, Jonathan Davis, we haven't got those sort of players, Wynn Jones, we haven't haven't got them playing for us, mm. um, so we need to need to be able to create that window where we can have international players. And in saying that also, Moff, you know, our, and it's, it's worked in New Zealand because our, our international players, our, 
uh, Aaron Smith's of the world, he wants to play for the Highlanders. Yeah. And you can, you can see the, the, the burning desire he has, the passion he has representing the Highlanders. Yeah. And, and then he plays well there, and it, it makes it easy to pick him to play for the All Blacks. Yeah. Where you don't, you don't, and no disrespect, Wayne Pivak has his international group of players that are going to the World Cup in 2023. And, you know, if they don't play too many games for, for the clubs, Doesn't I don't, I don't yeah. think that makes a difference. No, I mean, it's not I, right. no, it's not. And I, I think that four clubs is too, four teams is too many. I mean, I, I've written recently that I think that they should actually just go back to the clubs system and have three clubs, do away with the provincial, you know, um, names, um, go back to Clenethley, Cardiff, and then one other. Now, whether that's, um, you know, Swansea or Newport, I don't know, but, you know, have one other team. You've got to have Clenethley yeah. and, and Cardiff as two standalones yeah. and then have another one. And then, and then I think you've got to have a look. <laughs> the ideal, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, the ideal would be to play in England. <laughs> you know, the three, three teams they playing. One, in, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the ideally, ideally, if we could have one, one competition. Yeah, British and Irish League. Yeah. 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 That, exactly. would be, that would be, um, and, and divisions, and, you know. Yeah, and getting it back to three, you know, we, we have the same argument, don't we, in, in Super Rugby with Australia. Yes. You know, mm. you know, they they need one less team to make them more competitive. Yeah, and and we're seeing that even now at the start of the competition that you know, you know, for example, the Rebels uh, are not going to be competitive. No, um, but politics so, gets in the way, mate. At times, that's a problem, and self interest. Um, and uh, but I look, you know, I. I I hope that Wales continues to do well at the international level. But as you say, you know, there's guys like your owner, for example, at the Scarlets, who's, you know, who's a very passionate guy and, you know, putting money in and they need, they need to get results and a return and they need to, the yeah. union has got to get right in behind them. Yeah, very much so. So, do you think you might come back to Wales, Mark? <laughs> do, you, do you think they'd have me for it? I don't think so, mate. No, I've no, got to... Actually... I, we, need, we need Welsh rugby to be strong. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we talk about this in terms of the Silver Lake and the CBCs of the world. Yeah. You know, we have got such good products globally with, with the British and Irish Lions, the Six Nations, uh, the Championship, the All Blacks, the Welsh, the English, the Irish, uh, the Scots such good products yeah you know south africa um that we need to make sure that we we package them so that you know people want to watch it uh, yeah absolutely and you know that's playing it at the right time of the day too and you know yeah. all, all, all that sort of thing you know i mean it's um it's it's always very difficult to get the balance right though in this day and age yeah uh but but it's um yeah well it exercises uh my mind quite a lot uh, from time to time. That's quite a challenging. Wait, how did you get that job? Um, well, back in 2000, uh, we were set up in 2000 and there were 35 founder members, which I was fortunate enough to be one of those. Oh, right. And yeah, so uh, Johan Rupert from South Africa. Yeah, I know Johan Rupert. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
and 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 it's just growing. It's a it's a phenomenal organisation that we you know we were set up to celebrate excellence in sport, yep. which we still do through the awards, and and now we have the the Sport for Good Foundation, which started in two thousand and one, yeah, um, where we use sport as a mechanism for change, and that was our founding patron was Nelson Mandela, yeah, and and that's what he said. So I entrust you to go and spread the word gotten globally uh, through sport. Um, and especially, you know, what's going on in the Ukraine at the moment oh, is just yeah. horrendous. And if we can, if we can use sport to try and bring peace uh, to places like that, yeah, um, you know, because we're, we're we're powerful. We've got, we've got a lot of really influential people. Yeah, um, you know, we, we have you know we have a Russian and and, and we and, and Alexei Nemov, and then we have uh, Sergei Butka, Butka, who's, who's Ukraine. Yeah, he. You know, for them to be holding hands and saying, you know, we need peace, we need to come together. Yeah. Um, some great names. There's some great names on, on that list of um, sports um, ambassadors yeah. in Laureus. And I, I, I'd recommend that people go and have a look at it on the website. You can see them all on there. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, we, we, do have a, we do have a lot of big names, Moff. Um, but one, one of the questions that the, I always ask them when, when we invite them, you have to be retired to be a member. Yeah. So when I when I went to see Chris Hawley, for example, mm. you know, I, I you were one of the greatest track riders of, yeah. of a generation. Uh, would love you to consider being a, a Laureus Academy member. I said, but 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 there's one one criteria with that is that you must support um, the Sport for Good Foundation, yeah. and everyone would rather be in a you know an Academy member of the Sport for Good Foundation just purely for the work it does globally yeah. through. Over 300 projects globally we support now. Um, fantastic. No, it's fantastic. And is it is it a full-time role for you? Do you have to spend much time? Well, it's a, well obviously, COVID's been a, you know, yeah. I went down to the office last week down in Fulham uh, for the first time in about two years. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. So the office hasn't been open. Uh, and it's been especially the foundation because uh, a lot of, lot of our projects are, are safe havens for the kids. Yeah. Um, so that's been really stressful during the lockdowns, etc. But they've they've all survived, um, and it's it's probably in reality about two days a week, probably. Okay. So what's the significance of number nineteen on your laureus top there? Is there any? Uh, this, uh, this is our twenty nineteen shirt. Oh, twenty nineteen. Right, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. <laughs> so yeah. nineteenth year actually. We've been going twenty well twenty one years now. 21 years. Oh, mate. And we've got the awards. We've got the awards. We're doing digital awards now. And yeah. that will be later, early next month. Early next month. Giving me any yeah. tips? No, I can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> oh, mate. It's great talking to you, as always. I really enjoy our chats. Uh, they're not frequent enough these days, but I, I will no. be getting up. I will be getting up to the UK um, soon, I hope. We can catch up. Yeah, well, we'd love to have you up here. We've got the the Irish coming to New Zealand, which will be a, a yeah. massive test series in, yeah. in the July window, and then and then the All Blacks back up here in the autumn, which uh, will be you know twelve months out from the World Cup. So, and they play, play they're playing yeah, England on that on this next trip up. They're playing they're playing what playing the uh, Wales, uh, Scotland, and England. Yeah, yeah. Well, if the English could ever work out what sort of game they want to play, you know, they might. 
They must... I think they've been quite smart, actually. You know, having yeah? an Aussie as, as a coach, they're, you know, you know what the Aussies do. They, yeah. they work in these cycles. They were the first ones to, you know, work in a four-year cycle. Yeah. You know, they don't mind losing games occasionally if they're going to breed a player for the, for the World Cup. And, I, you know, he's got the, the young talent up here, Moff, at the moment is, is phenomenal. Is it? You know, yeah, yeah. We, haven't, we haven't really seen enough. It was unfortunate on Saturday with the, the sending off of, of Yules. Yes. Um, the Mar- Marcus Smiths of the world, the Don Brants, uh, Marchants. I'm just I'm mentioning all the Harlequins players. Um, <laughs> there's some there's some real talent that in you know in 18 months time they're going to be you know a lot more seasoned and ready for the for the big stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And will Ireland? Do you think they'll send the full strength team down here? Yeah, most definitely. They've, yeah. they've you know I think on Saturday, as we've seen during the Six Nations. Uh, they're building quite nicely. So it'll be good. It's a good opportunity for us. I think of all, all teams globally, countries, you know, yeah. New Zealand's probably been the hardest hit in terms of the, the competition that we've been able to have. Yeah. Um, and I you can even see during Super Rugby now, we're, we're hindered by not yeah. being able to have overseas teams coming in uh, yeah. other than the Pacifica teams, um, which which is an issue going forward. You know, even our Northern Hemisphere tour last year, that was so hard on the players. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the next, the next sort of 18 months is going to be crucial in terms of our, our development. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you very much for making the time. Um, and, Thank you, Mark. Uh, You're looking good too. Oh, uh, yeah. well. Yeah, no, keeping my... Keep, keep, I'm, I'm actually 75 in May. So I, oh, I, you're young. You're young. I'm only young, yeah. Chicken. No, but I, I was going to say, but I've decided to go on a podcast journey because it, I'm learning something new and it keeps my brain young. So, you know, I'm enjoying well, you need, it. You need to do. Yeah. What's Canterbury? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, mate. Nice part of the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And we've got 15 acres here. So, um, oh, you know, it's uh, fun. Todd Blackadder country around here and, you know. Oh, really? Okay. Well, other, you know. Bobby? Yeah. 